So you know the forum is on addictions. And in your forum booklet, it's broken into three different parts. It's your attention, your time, and your devotion. Edictions, the letter E conjures up immediately in today's society the idea of electronics. For the ladies, perhaps, you're not so big into computers, into the Game Boys, into those electronic stuff that the guys are into. Some of you are. I understand that. So we're going to expand the E for some of you who have it apply in a different way. It is not just going to be on electronics. It's going to also be entertainment. It's also going to be envy. It's also going to be etc. <laughs> now, when you think of edictions, like I said, you think of technology, but it's also the everyday activities. Those things that capture first your attention, then when they have your attention, they have your time, and finally when you spend time in front of the projector, apparently, they have your devotion. They have your continued attention where nothing else can break that stride and you're going to pay attention to those things that you want to as opposed to what the God would have you focus on. Now, the exposure, the first part, your attention, to actually capture it, we're going to ask the questions who, where, and when. And then the pathway that I just described, when those who, when, and where's, they have your attention, your time, and your devotion. First, attention. The definition, according to Random House, is attention is the act or faculty of attending, especially by directing the mind to an object. So when you focus your mind on something, when somebody first has your attention and wants you to look at something, to do something, just simply to pay attention. It doesn't seem very innocuous or doesn't seem very complicated or dangerous at first, but they have your attention. You're going to pay attention and see what, it, what is being offered. And that battle to capture your attention is being waged on a continual basis. You might not notice it, but from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, there are forces vying for your attention. And that's covered in Proverbs 4.23, how we should address that. Keeping thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Out of your heart is your life. So to keep your heart with all diligence, what does that mean? Pay attention to where you're letting your heart go and what you let become your treasures and the things you want to do on a daily basis. With that free will where you make your choices, do you make those choices or do you let others make those choices for you? First off, we're going to have some bad guys in this scenario. You always need a villain in a good story. First off are corporations. Your attention is measured in dollars. You might not know it, but companies and those who want to sell you either a product or an idea or a lifestyle pay for that attention. Can you imagine if, and I know some of you because this class is from 13 to 15, when you enter the working world, that you have a dollar figure, a salary that you draw, 
Nobody wants to make minimum wage, so sure, you get your first job, you make a little bit over the American or Canadian or European minimum wage, and you're happy. But imagine that, that companies are actually using a dollar figure to say, you know what, I've got Bob's or I've got Sally's attention for 10 minutes, and I'm going to try to sell them something or show them something or have them do something, and all you are is a dollar figure. We know that the Lord God sees us all as more than a dollar figure. He sees us as children. He sees us as sons and daughters and those he cares about. And at this, at this age, it's important to know who are your friends and who are your enemies. Second point here might seem confusing for the technical people or technical young among you. It might make sense. Click-through rates and unique visitors. All you are is a nameless, faceless number to corporations to bring in as many people and as many people to look at what they have to sell you. And finally, controversial advertising. Who wants to see a regular advertisement when you can see something that's funny, something that's daring, something that's, oh my goodness, they would never do this at school, in my home that would never be allowed at church. Obviously, that's not being done. But it captures your attention, and you have a focus on what it is they're showing you. Point number two, and point number three came up on the screen as well, so we can focus on society in a second. Point number two is the media. And as you were walking in, I heard some of you mention, he's going to be talking about video games, so this will be great. We're going to talk about video games, but it's a bigger picture than that. There's also on the news media those who actually deceive you by trying to tell you a story but build a product placement into it to say, oh, here's a, um, a couple out in Georgia who um, this, that, and the other thing, the, the story specifics don't matter, but they used a certain product or they did a certain thing with a certain company's what have you, and they either got healthier or they got uh, a problem solved. And so stories that are masked as news are also at times trying to sell you something. And then there's viral marketing. Does anybody know who, what viral marketing is, just by a quick show of hands, the term? All right, so both of you can just tune out for a second. Viral marketing is a small viral idea, and you know what a virus is, where if you get sick, it, it's just the smallest little thing, but then it spreads to other people. Viral marketing is this. They place a small seed or a small idea, or perhaps it's a person who wears something in a crowd, or it's a funny video, or what have you, and it starts to spread. These fads that start in school, probably when you were very young, fads in public schools were things like marbles in the 70s, and they were um, muscle action figures in the 80s, and in the 90s it was pog, and there was snap bracelets, and there was always the one cool kid who had it, and everybody else wanted it. And eventually it was sold to everybody as a virus had spread and then it became almost a fixture in culture where they start with one small ad, but it's the main purpose is to sell you something. Ephesians 4.14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So though you're young, though you're between 13 and 15, most of you at least in here, you should be wary that you're still old enough 
to control the things that you see, the things that you expose yourself to, to give your attention initially. And the Lord knows that, and He warns us of that, that we shouldn't, in His case, instead of it being a television show, it was a prophet that would go from town to town and spread doctrine that was not Christian, that was maybe a little bit of Christian, but the rest of it was actually pagan, or the rest of it was un-God-fearing. So that was their version of TV and said, watch out for these people who come in and capture your attention for a time and want to sell you something because it's your soul at stake. It's not just your time, but it's your life as well. Finally, society. Society has trends. Not just electronic trends, but the peer pressure trends that whether it be something you physically wear or something you physically do, there are things in your life that society wants you to accept and wants you to do. For the ladies, fashion, what you wear. For those of you who know what I'm wearing, just because I have a horse on my shirt, does anybody know what product that is by a raise of hands? Okay, so, and most of you are female, but you see how when you look at other girls, you say, oh, well, she's wearing this, and she's wearing that, or she has this type of purse, probably. When you get older, the ladies see what kind of image you have on your purse, or the letter, or the brand. It's about brand placement in our lives, not just um, placement on TV and magazines. Celebrity and fame, for those who pay attention all the time to what the latest movie star, soap opera star, the latest uh, sports figure is doing that they have your attention, they can sell you an idea, a product, or a lifestyle. Gossip. Gossip can be addictive, and it's certainly one of the who's in our life of capturing our attention, because we see what others are doing and what others are wearing. And finally, social networking, and websites where people put their life and put images, videos, and what have you, of their life on the internet to provoke jealousy, to provoke envy, to say, look at how well my life is doing. They don't put the bad things, only the good things. To put sort of a, to put an actor's pose in front of you. To play the part of somebody who's always happy. To say, look at my life, you can be this way too. And try to puff themselves up with either, I've got more friends than you, or I've got more activities going on in my life than you. It's a competition. They aim to, ca- they aim to capture your attention. When you first walked in here, and typically most of you walked in through the left doors, there's a number of pictures on the wall. Most of you might not have noticed it, but there are students from this local college campus who are all actors, who use their face, who use emotion to try to fool you into thinking there's somebody new with each part or each play they are in. And in some ways, Satan uses us to want to play that part and make us somebody we're not. So we need to watch for these, for corporations, for medias, for society who just think of us as a face and a number and not a soul as our Father in heaven would think of us as. Mark 14, 38, for us to watch and pray lest we enter into temptation, that the Spirit is truly ready and willing, but the flesh is weak. So yeah, okay, I'm not going to give in to some of these things and oh, I'm above all of the influence of society. But when you get right down to it, on a random Tuesday when you're in school or you're around your friends, at times you will give in and think that that is the product, the lifestyle, or the way to live and the way to happiness. Direct marketing. We all receive advertisements 
from television, we're sold lifestyles on the internet, we're sold ways of being from magazines, from billboards. We have product placement in movies, in television, and in ads. And do you really think when you sit and you either watch a television program or you see something presented to you that there's a little brand name or something attached to it that they're trying to sell you indiscriminately and secretly on something. And really, if something is, will, if something is really valuable, they shouldn't have to hide it. But we should be wary of those messages that Satan and the world and corporations and society try to put into our heads without knowing. Indirectly, there's fashion. That's a societal marketing tactic. There's trends. What our parents had in their generation might be gone, and we might think of it as silly because it's all 70s stuff that are brown and yellow and paisley, and they were just ignorant back then. They, they didn't have the style we do. But those same things are here today in our lives to influence us, only they look nicer, they look brighter. And now you plug them in and they're electronic and they light up. Though our parents might not know as much about today's electronics and today's entertainment and media, Satan still uses it and he has more ways to use it than ever before. Perceived rarity. What does this mean? Now, as a kid, I would collect baseball cards. Collecting baseball cards, there are always the good players and the bad players. And you wanted the good players. And the good players were worth more and were valuable to me and valuable to other collectors. But the companies made the same number of every player. They made the same number of everything. But it was me, it was my devotion to that player and my demand for this particular thing that the world makes it seem more demanding. It's a capitalist idea, supply and demand. But the supply is the same for all things. But Satan puts that sort of rare concept in our mind saying, well, this is more valuable than other things. There's a number of things like that in our lives, not just baseball cards, but you get the idea. And finally, it's a 24-hour exposure. When you wake up in the morning and you choose the clothes you wear with the brands on them, you travel to school and they have certain products that they're now advertising in your schools. Do you let that influence you? You come home, you read a book, you read a magazine. Society has all kinds of ways where they will capture your attention. And now when? The final question to ask ourselves as far as our attention is when does this happen? happens always. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because the, your adversary, the devil, as a, is as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Christians are exposed out in the world as much as any sinner. So we have to be sober. We have to be vigilant that our time is worth more than what society would make it out to be. Just as we have today these societal pressures, Christ was no different in His time. They had tailors, those who would make clothes. But there were the normal clothes, and there were the clothes that actually had the, the stitching of the great tailor in the town, or in the village, or in the city. There were 
food products, but then there were the nice ones. The one, oh, I got these from this market. But again, even in a primitive time that Christ, during the time he was walking on this earth, we now have a whole lot more ways and a whole lot more within society to tempt us. And as I mentioned, Satan is attempting to capture your attention in all of those ways, always. And finally, once the devil has your attention, once he's captured your eyes, your ears, and everything that you're focusing on for that time, with that attention, he now has your time. He has a span that he can take an image and put it into your head, put it into your mind, put it into your heart, and make you focus on those things. The way companies do this is by putting out fun things, things that waste your time, things that numb you, things that take away your self-will and the ability to walk away from these things by putting out time-wasting activities. Again, your time is just a dollar figure. They're preying on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the three things that we're told in the Bible that we would, as just men and women, boys and girls from 13 to 15 or 16 to 99, it's the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes. They have surveys on the internet, popularity competitions, beauty competitions. Come, take a look at these great people and rate them. Come, ask questions of these people. See how well you know them. These people should be the center of your focus for now. And finally, the, corrupt, the corrupting and sinful media, which we won't get into. The power of suggestion, click-throughs, the way websites and search engines do it. Well, if you like this, then you're definitely, definitely going to like this. If you're searching for this, you're definitely going to want this too. They put these ideas in your head, not just on the internet, but also in society. The main question, with your time, what is it worth? What is your time worth per hour, per minute? What could I pay you right now, or what can I pay you when you get home, just to have that window of time? Is it minimum wage, or is your time invaluable? Is there no dollar amount you want to put on your time because it's worth so much to you because you care for yourself and want to know where you direct your attention? Is there no amount of money somebody could pay because you want to control what you do with your time? Question number two. If you wouldn't trust a complete stranger to drive a bus or drive a car with your family in it and say, you know what, you just lead the way. You tell me where we go. I trust you. No idea who he is, who she is, where they come from, what their intentions are, what their motives are. Do they really have your best interests at heart? So are you going to give them a microphone to your ears? Are you going to give them a stage for your eyes? To have them direct where your heart is and where you put your mind and your treasure at all times. Consider yourself before you consider other people and know that they don't always have your best intentions in mind. And the internet is simply an entity. It never has your best interests in mind and it never has a moral compass. It's simply to get your attention or to get your money or to sell you a product or an idea or a lifestyle. 1 Timothy 5.13 And withal, they learn to be idle, 
wandering about from house to house, not only idle, but tattlers and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Back then, they didn't have the internet to text, well, cell phones a text message, internet to um, send instant messages, which again is nothing new. The instant messages that Christ had in his time when these pages were written is simply gossips and busybodies, and you see what she's doing, you see what he's doing. If you keep yourself focused on your path and on what the Lord has for you, you won't be a busybody and just wasting time online. With social networking, again, it provokes those to jealousy to say, I've got more friends than you, I've got more things than you, I'm more popular than you, you should be envy of me. And it should cause bitterness in you, and it should cause strife in you. You should want to be my friend, because I've got 16 friends, and to show you how silly it all is, you can go, and my favorite beverage of choice happens to be Pepsi, and that was a product placement for those of you paying attention, but you could be a friend of Pepsi, you could be a friend of bands, you could be a friend of things that are inanimate, that have no life, that have no friendship, that can't maintain your friendship. It waters down the idea of being a friend. They simply want to make you a friend of a politician or a friend of a clothing style or of a fashion. And finally, some of these websites say, well, we're free. You can come on here and share your life and share what you are all about, but you're still bombarded with the advertising, with your personal information and the power of suggestion that they will sell you to inevitably. And finally, Really, to have that pride of being a friend in the world because friends who have friends who have friends only expose you to the world. That it reduces the idea of friendship. And James 4.4 says, Know ye not that that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy with God. So pick and choose your friends wisely and those who you really give your time and your heart to. In 1 Thessalonians 5.22, to simply abstain from all appearance of evil. Now your time is unrecoverable. When you spend that span of time, you will never get it back. The things you do, the things you see, the the things you either waste your time on or spend your time on, you will never get it back. You can never unsee something. You can never undo something. You can never unhear something that you expose yourself to. Father God gives us that power of, of recollection and that we can actually store in our, in our hearts and minds memories. But if you waste them on things of this world, you will never get that time back. And it will almost haunt you in a way. Ecclesiastes 1.8 All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. You can listen to as much music as you want. You'll never be happy with those songs. You'll want more. You can be happy with these clothes that you have that you can see or wear, but you will never be happy with those things that you wear. So to focus on it, to actually have an addiction on it, to think I've got to get the next item, I've got to get the next MP3, I've got to get the next DS game, it'll never end. We should be content in the things that the Lord has given us. And godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6.6. Now we move on to devotion. 
not just a span of time, but actually your heart, your mind, and those things, those things that you devote yourself to. There's a, there's a story of devotion. Um, I'll just tell you a story. Um, a gentleman um, in the Bible had an idea, and he said, I'm going to show you how dangerous peer pressure is. I'm going to show you how dangerous letting your friends dictate and just peer pressure welling up inside you dictate what's, what's going to happen with your actions. This man said, and he did, go around all the country. And he said, you know what? We're having a party. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. All your friends are going to be there. You're going to have a good time. So what he did it was he asked everybody, come to this place. We're going to have a lot of food, a lot of drinks. You're going to enjoy it. And then he appealed to their senses. You know what? You like this type of music. You like this type of worship. You like this kind of clothing even. Come to our party. They did. In fact, everyone was at this party from the entire nation who was evil. And the man of God said, all right, everybody, what do you want? And they said, you know what? We all want to dress in the finest clothing. And the man said, all right, we'll get the finest clothing and garments that you can imagine. You'll all look exactly the way you want. So they tailored all the clothes the same. They gave them all the same outfits. It was wonderful. Everybody felt like family. Everybody felt like home. This is comfortable. This is where I want to be. I'm with all my friends. We're doing what we want. We're playing the music we want. We're seeing the things we want to see, doing the things we want to do, living the life we want to live, living the life we want to live. This is great. So once they closed the doors and they had their party, Jehu, 2 Kings 10, he said, get me 80 men. And he had 80 men and he said, I want a man on every door. And I want to wait until the party's really going strong. So hours later, days later, people were coming in, having a great time, calling their friends and more friends and more friends. Finally, a few days later, he said, all right, everybody here having a good time? They all said, yeah, this is great. We've spent our time happily. We're devoted to this. This is incredible. Thanks. I, I couldn't think of anything more we could want. And he said, all right, one last thing. Is there anyone here who's a Christian? Anybody at all? Well, this is the Old Testament. So are there any men or women of God? And everybody's like, no, we, we made sure they weren't here. They wouldn't enjoy this kind of thing. It's just us. So he had those 80 men rush the building and kill every last one of them. And to this day, what we read in that portion of Scripture is that building as a memorial are actually used as an outhouse, that men and women of the town would come out there and do their business to show exactly what peer pressure and the things that our friends and society would have us do is worth. It's worth as much as a toilet. It's, it's rubbish, it's dirty, it's worthless, it's stinking. And Jehu showed exactly what the world is in God's eyes and what peer pressure can do to us. Now, devotion 
as defined again by the dictionary, is a profound dedication or consecration. So you're dedicated to an idea. You're dedicated to service. Earnest attachment to a cause or a person. What are you attached to? Ask yourself, what is it in your life really that you hold dear? Something on a daily basis you always make sure you do. Or on a weekly basis somebody you talk to. Or something that you enjoy. To review those things that we earnestly attach ourselves to. Whether it be a person or whether it be a cause. Those things that are negative or self-destructing devotions become addictions. Now, there are addictions that are, and you face this in schools with perhaps some of your friends at this age, between 13, 14, and 15, that have addictions to alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. Those we're not going to cover here, but I implore you to help them find counseling Those need professional help. They need adults to instruct them on how to turn their life around because chemical addictions can be just as immediate and just as dangerous, but we're not going to touch on those. However, you can have self-destructive societal devotions as well, and they can be just as addicting. Those things we covered before, the video games. I've played my share of video games. Trust me, You may spend hours playing a particular game to get past a particular level, but nobody cares, and you're going to be the most boring person in the world if you say, hey, I just beat level three of Gran Turismo in a time of under 247. Can you believe it? And for the guys to tell that to the girls, they're going to roll their eyes. And girls, really, if you shared any of your any of the things you focus on, whether it be your beauty or your fashion or the things about yourself, and you tell it to the guys, do you really think they're listening? They're going to nod their head. They're going to smile to you. But come on, the things that you really hold dear, do you think that those of the opposite sex, to think those when, when guys you tell your other friends, oh yeah, I'm a level four magi in whatever insignificant game you play, and you dedicate yourself. And there are people in the world that, who spend days, evenings, and their life are destroyed by, whether it be video games, websites, and those things they enjoy. Do you really think that you can tell your peers, oh yeah, I've got 300 gold coin crystals and I made it to the land of Moria or whatever. Nobody cares. Nobody really, really cares. Face that for yourself. When you talk to yourself about it and say, oh yeah, people are going to be so excited about this new purse I get. So you go to your friends and say, hey Sally, check out this purse. She's looking at the purse. She'll give you some smiles. She'll be like, oh, this, this is great, Betty. And sorry if there is a Betty here. I apologize. Oh, Betty, this is a great purse. But in her heart, she's really thinking, oh, look at the stitching. And, uh, well, her mom's rich. Her mom bought it for her. It's nothing. Really, consider for yourself if your clothes, if your video games, if the things you've accomplished are really that interesting, or are you trying to put that seed in someone else to want to follow you, to make you popular, to have them be addicted to your lifestyle and the things that you do, and to be devoted to you, do they really have your best interests at heart? Those possessions you have, 
We've talked about that. The video games you play and the things you accomplish in an electronic world, does it really matter? And those things that seem rare and important to get to you, they don't really matter to other people. And it certainly doesn't matter to God because you'll go to God and say, well, Father, yes, I've lived uh, a life for you, but boy, check out this. Um, can you believe it? I, I actually beat Mario with Pikachu. Uh, do you think the Father God's going to be like, oh, that's great, but did you play Samus? And were you able to beat uh, Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever? And ladies, honestly, do you think that you're going to enter into heaven wearing your nicest clothes? And well, you know what? I'm going to set aside my outfit that I'm going to use when I enter the pearly gates or when I talk to God in person and not just in spirit. Well, my father's going to care what I wear. I have to get my hair done. I have to wear the right watch that matches the dress, that matches the shoes. Okay, the guys are totally out of it already, so you can tell. If these guys don't care about it, how is your father in heaven going to, compare, going to care about those things that you accomplish? Instant messaging and social networking. I'm telling you, the kids older than you, maybe some of you are really dedicated to this kind of stuff, really dedicated to text messaging and talking about those things that are innate to others, but they want to get their message out there, just like corporations, just like the media, just like society that we talked about in the beginning. They want to get their message out there. They want to get their lifestyle out there. They want to say, look how important I am. And so they sit there like this with their thumbs and they're like, oh, that guy must be popular. He's playing with his phone when really the phone's probably not on. And he's like, oh yeah, look at me. I'm the most popular guy on the block. If it doesn't matter to others, why would it matter to the Father? And why should it matter to you? It shouldn't. Now your parents. All right, this forum is from 13 to 15. Your parents have their own devotions. They have their own things they check on a daily basis whether or not you want to believe it. They might do it from work. They might do it from home when they're like, okay, you're going to school. They're going to check their stock prices. Can you believe it? 2008, and most of you might even know, well, the market's not doing well. Well, your mother, your father, your guardian, they're going to be sweating every day over, oh, I lost 0.5% in the uh, real estate derivatives, and can you believe that the subprime market... Yeah, it's as exciting as it sounds, but your parents have these devotions, and it happens whether you're 9 or 99 that these things, whether it be checking their savings balances or checking the soap operas back when our parents were young, it was on the radio, then they brought it to television, and they really care about what, and again, guys, you can tune out for just a second, this is probably for the ladies, that soap operas go on forever. The stories never change. Yes, the characters come and go, ladies, but let's face it. It's as real as the celebrities you read about in the magazine and the stories they want to put out. And everybody is putting out an idea that even parents can become focused on. And guys, now it's your turn again. Sports scores. Honestly, when I was your age, it was it was, well, at least within my peer group, it was cool that I know Jose Canseco who had 30 home runs and, 30, and had 30 stolen bases in the same season. It was the first time ever. Can you believe it? Mark McGuire hit 49 home runs in his rookie year. Does that knowledge really do me any good now that I'm twice as old as you are now? Absolutely not. And I've taken up that space of my brain. I've taken up that, 
time I spent and focus on sports scores. So if you know, whether or not you know the Jays won this week or whether or not you know that the Leafs are, and I'm a Toronto fan, as you can tell, guys. Ladies, you can wake up in a second. Thank you. Well, not thank me. It's actually a waste of time. It's not that important. Seriously, the fact that um, the Leafs never make the playoffs. Tell that to one of the ladies. Ladies, the Leafs are terrible. They never make the playoffs. Isn't that great? Uh, they give me the same blank look they're going to give the guys over on my right. Honestly, they don't care. And the fact that I know something from 20 years ago, I've wasted that time, I've wasted that focus, and I've wasted that energy where I could have been a better person. I could have, whether it be reading the Bible or just helping out, I could have been, there's volunteering in the community, there's volunteering at your school, and there's especially volunteering at your church for those who need help, and instead you're reading the sports scores. Let's move on. I've, I've attacked everybody enough as it is. Leafs might have a chance this year, but that's not important. That's not what we're talking about right now. Cavaliers? How many years have we said that for? Longer than I've been around, so that goes beyond me. Now, activities, and we've covered this when we talked about the E's in e-dictions, those everyday activities, those things that we find time to do routinely or that we do on autopilot. And some of you might go into the aviation field, but you know the idea of autopilot. The guy wears the stripes, he's got the wings on his shirt, and he's got the hat, and okay, I'm a pilot, I'm so important, all I do is sit down, and once they're up at a certain altitude, they hit a button and they fall asleep. Or they hit a button and they have a nice meal and they talk about all the people they saw back in coach and make fun of them and everything else. And then three hours later, okay, it's time to land. They'll hit the button. They'll start their descent. But the autopilot does everything for them. Have you ever found yourself putting yourself on autopilot? Have you ever found, well, I'm going to set out and do this activity or I'm going to talk to this person or I'm going to engage in whatever it is and you find yourself maybe hours later. Or you find yourself, why did I waste a whole afternoon spending time in the shopping mall when I couldn't find the right dress? I spent all afternoon trying to beat um, you know, the expert mode in Wii Bowling, and I just can't spin that ball quite right. To the right. And it's three hours later, and you haven't done your homework, and you're thinking, have I really just blown an entire afternoon trying to do that? or trying to find this thing, or fill this hole in my life with this, or filling my ears that'll never be filled, or having my eyes satisfied that will never be satisfied. Again, back in um, uh, Ecclesiastes 1. Um, if you find yourself in autopilot, there's another scripture that says that we should be doing all things unto the Lord, or as unto the Lord. A-U-T-L, as opposed to autopilot, A-U-T-O. I'm a guy who uses, because I have a terrible memory, and at times I don't remember a lot of your names. At times I forget my own name. You use these, these um, what are they called when you use the first letter of each word? Acronyms? Okay. So these mnemonic, mnemonic devices, Johnny mnemonic device, I have no idea. These acronyms where you do something on autopilot or you do something as unto the Lord 
And so it changes your focus from how you give your time and your devotion to someone else and say, just run my life for me, drive that van wherever you want, it doesn't matter, I'm going to be lazy, sit back and let you run my life for a while, or do things as unto the Lord. You actually know what you're doing, you're focused on something, and you're doing it as if you're doing it for God. You're doing it with your full devotion, and people care about those people. You'll find yourself doing better with your studies, you'll find yourself more focused when you enter the workplace in a year or two, and you'll find yourself more driven to be on an autopilot, and that's not a speech impediment, I just threw the L at the end there, A-U-T-L, when you're on autopilot as opposed to being on autopilot and having these other entities run your life. Now we're bringing Scripture back into it with our lives. And what do we treasure? Back then, they didn't have the collector's edition of whatever guys you collect and the limited edition of whatever you girls might wear or might, I don't know what girls do anymore. But, all right, I was going to tell a joke, but anyway. Um, But what do you really treasure? And what are those things in Christ's time when it was gold, when it was pieces of silver or denarii or whatever those weird monies are? Imagine it was all about collecting gold. It was all about the statues. It was all about those things. Now we're in a broader time, a more complex time. It's about the MP3s. It's about the clothes. It's about the video games. It's about the fashions. What do you really treasure? Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. The summary of all that we've covered, whether it's an addiction or a negative devotion with an addiction that takes up a lot of your time or even your attention, what do you look for, what do you seek out when you're treasure hunting, when you're treasure hunting for your life? Is that treasure something you want in your heart because that's what it will be? When you treasure it, it will be in your heart placed in there. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with suffering and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unaware. Because God will come quickly. God will not wait for you to finish the last level. God will not finish or wait for you to collect the last matching piece of that killer outfit that you're going to take out wherever girls go nowadays. God doesn't wait. He will come immediately and you will be accounted for those things when it shall come to pass and you will stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21, 34 through 36. There's another devotion that's a positive devotion that I want to leave you with this afternoon. And that positive devotion is spiritual. Why? Every day you will be questioned. As the world and society gets worse, they will ask, where is your God? Who is your God? Why do you have a God? Psalm 42.10, As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me when they say daily unto me, where is thy God? Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily, so it's doing it for each other as well. While it's called today, while it's still today, lest any of you or your friends be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. If you find someone else being fooled by these measures, help them out, tell them these things of life are not really that important. And finally, Ecclesiastes, for this page, the reason to have a daily spiritual devotion. Let us hear the conclusion of this whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for God will bring every judgment and every secret thing out into public, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, daily devotion, read your Bible, make it a part of your habitual life. 
It's hard for me to sell it to you now, but three months from now, when I'm not around, when you don't have somebody pitching you the idea of loving God and knowing His Word, keep that in your hearts. And finally, you're saying to me, Dave, I know all this already. I have no problems with the things the world sells me. I know when I see a particular soft drink in a television program or a particular car they drive in a, in a certain movie, I'm not influenced at all. Great, good for you. You will be in time when you grow older and things become more complex. But help others now while it's still today. 1 Corinthians 8, 9. Take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those that are weak. Don't do it in front of your friends if you don't have problems with playing video games and you're like, oh yeah, Billy, I played uh, Super Smash Brothers. It's awesome. And you know Billy spends all his Saturdays playing that stupid video game. Don't invite them over your house and egg them on. Don't put those things in front of other people. Ladies or girls, ladies at this age, do you prefer being called ladies or girls? I don't know. What's that? Young ladies? Ladies, all right. Ladies, honestly, if you know somebody has such a problem with jealousy, don't make it a point to point out every last watch you have. Oh yeah, I've got all these fashion accessories and I've got all these different things where they were provoked in Christ's time to jealousy, they still are today. Your friends are going to be provoked. Don't do it. Don't become that stumbling block. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 11 through 13. And through thy knowledge uh, shall thy weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you sin so against the brethren and wound their conscience, you sin against Christ. If you knowingly do something to poke or prod and say, look how good I am, purposefully you're doing it to Christ. Imagine saying that to Christ. Say, Christ, look what I have. Christ, look what I've accomplished. Look at what I'm wearing. Look at what I'm doing. Isn't this great? To be humble. To be content in, what, in the life you live. And to share the peace you have in that contentment. If you don't have these problems, freely you've received that gift of perception of what goes into your eyes and ears and heart. Freely give it. You need to share your thoughts. You need to help those who are weaker because there might come a time when you are the weak one. And finally, uh, the last point is with any addiction, there are withdrawals. There, there's the, and again, we're not, we're not going to touch on the chemical stuff and we're going to wrap up here in a, in a minute. But with any chemical addiction, anything that physically um, you are addicted to, there's a period in which you're withdrawing from it. And I want to encourage you through that withdrawal process to keep your focus on God, to keep your focus on, on saving yourself with the help of Christ, with the help of prayer, that you're going to want to go back to those things. You're going to want to go back to the fashion, go back to the games, go back to the sports, go back to the magazines and the, the fame notoriety, the movie stars, you're going to want to follow their lives. It's going to be uncomfortable. Um, there's a, there's a, maybe a shock period when it's a chemical addiction. You, you might go into shock. You might go into withdrawal. But you have to get through that with God's help, though it might be uncomfortable. In Romans 15.4, uh, thing, these things He writes unto us for our learning, that we through patience will have comfort and hope. So it might take time, but have patience with it. Pray as often as you can about it and ask God to take it from you and to help you with it. 
and He will give you comfort through it. And most importantly, that last word we just read in Romans, He will give you hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And when you get older and these things get worse, that there is hope through Christ Jesus our Lord.